0: You're listening to The Worship Review, a podcast which evaluates contemporary Christian music for the good of the church, to the glory of God. This podcast is for
1: the whole church, to encourage thoughtful engagement with the words, emotions, and ideas in our music. We hope you enjoy this week's episode. Hello, welcome to another episode of the greatest podcast in all of human history, The Worship Review the podcast that critically and charitably examines the songs that we sing in church. My name is Colin. I'm a history professor in my day job. And for fun, I do this podcast. And I was a worship leader once upon a time as such. Tyler, what do you do in your spare time?
0: My spare time, I uh, meet with you and record the conversations. Um, yeah. And... Uh, in my not spare time, I I teach German and I study language and uh
1: sometimes I do some computer stuff too. So mm. computer stuff sounds exciting. Yeah, it is.
0: It's fun. It's fun. <laughs> You're being sarcastic, but um I am. analyzing speech with the computer is
1: fun, in my opinion. I guess so. that could be kind of fun. Alright, well, Tyler, this week we are looking at a song called God So Loved by We the Kingdom. For God so loved,
0: the world that He gave us His one and only Son to save
1: us Whoever believes in Him will live forever What we normally do on this podcast is we talk about the song in general, we go through the words, we talk about its theology, its comparison to the bible, crack a few bad jokes, and then we give some concluding thoughts and actually we are so arrogant that we will even give the song a rating. We give it a out of 5 rating and we don't tell each other what the rating is. We don't even discuss the song ahead of time, Tyler, which means that we might argue, we might throw things at each other. Or when we agree it's it's even more remarkable, isn't it?
0: Oh yes, yes, and uh, I am excited to have you throw things at me today
1: <laughs> Good. I'd have to throw them pretty far today because of our distance from one another, but yes, you no, know, my, my mom says that I'm a great athlete and that someday I might be a professional baseball player, so I'm sure I could do it. And I'm a millennial, too, so if I just believe hard enough, I'm sure I can do it, too.
0: Well, that's the only thing holding you back,
1: don't you know? Yeah, it's other other people. It's society.
0: And also your um, beliefs about yourself.
1: Correct. Yeah, I just need to believe. In fact, I just need to know that the magic was in me all along. Right. Okay. Um, So, Tyler, what would you say this song, God So Loved, is about?
0: It's... Well, what would I say this song is all about
1: <laughs> okay uh, i mean in in the most i don't
0: I don't think this is cheating. This song is basically a chorus based on John three sixteen and then verses which invite you to come uh to experience his goodness, to taste his goodness, and uh to lay burdens down at the cross um Mm -hmm. and it ends with a doxology basically okay so it's it's about god's love for us and how we respond to god's love it invites us to respond to god's love and it praises god um for
1: his love all right so that's sort of the central argument or the central theme that we we get from the song, let's talk about some individual words and phrases and lyrics and see how well that kind of big vision comes through. So it starts with, Oh, before we get to what it starts with,
0: can I, can I say something about we, the kingdom? Yes, please. So we, the kingdom is basically the first three words of the preamble to the U S constitution. But instead of people, we are reverting back to a monarchy. (laughs) So I guess you could say regress, um, and, uh, we, the kingdom is a Nashville based Christian music group. And it won this group, won the 2021 Dove awards, contemporary Christian artists of the year. So they're kind of a, I guess a hot topic right now. They did an interview with CCM magazine that is contemporary Christian music magazine. Some fringe group. Unlike this podcast. Yes, exactly. You probably never heard of CCM magazine. Um, and they say, Um, We the Kingdom is a multi-generational family of musicians, including producers and songwriters Ed Cash, Scott Cash, Franny Ray Cash, uh, Martin Cash, and Andrew Bergthold. The name for the group comes from the idea that the kingdom of God is not merely referring to heaven or the power of God or his angels. The kingdom of God is here among us. After all, what is a kingdom without its people? God has called us to big things, great and mighty things that we can't even begin to imagine. And uh, Franny Ray Cash says that the mission of the band is to take people who don't know Jesus to the cross and to take people who do know Jesus to the throne room. To go there ourselves is changing each one of us. So it sounds like it's uh, got kind of two aims. There's an evangelistic aim and then also and aim for the blessing of the church by bringing people I, I assume from to the throne room uh to uh to praising god uh, in his majesty so All right. uh i think good objectives uh, it's cool to see uh family band in the year 2022 um <laughs> yeah. being very prominent yeah. Any, anything family <laughs> <laughs> yes so this this band focuses on the family i guess you could say
1: Okay, come all you weary, come all you thirsty, come to the well that never runs dry, drink of the water, come and thirst no more.
0: I think what's going on here is that these adjectives weary and thirsty are being used as substantivized adjectives, so all you weary ones, all you thirsty ones, so we have tired people, people who thirst, they're invited to come to the well that never runs dry, um, drink of the water, come and thirst no more. This is actually straight from the mouth of Jesus. Uh, when he's dealing with a woman at the well, he says, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. Talking about the well water. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. So, uh, Jesus is the well that never runs dry. He is that spring of living water. And and I think that's why in the lyrics, obviously you don't know this when you're singing it, but textually you can read water is capitalized. So they're they're trying to point to uh, Jesus as the water. Uh, and the listener is invited to come and thirst no more, um, straight from the mouth of, of Jesus. And this weariness, I think also... Is a reference to uh, the words of Christ in Matthew 11. He says, "Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest." So the the one who is working, the one who is heavily burdened, will receive uh, rest with with Christ. For his yoke is easy and his burden is light. I
1: mm-hmm. think this
0: is a very good verse, Colin. What did you think?
1: Yeah, I think the same. And you know, I had the same two verses: Matthew 11:28, John. For, and I also thought there was a reference here to John 7, 38 and 39. Whoever believes in me... this is the, These are the words of Christ. Whoever believes in me, as the Scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now this he said about the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive. For as yet the Spirit had not been given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. So we have Jesus also talking elsewhere about um, rivers of living water uh, in those who believe in him. So this is a this is a, an idea, the idea of living water is an idea that is really strong in the words of Christ, and it's great to see it referenced in this song. Pretty clear, it's a powerful image, and I think it's great to start off a song with this.
0: Yeah, any song that starts with Christ uh, being all-sufficient and fulfilling all... Um, needs not for the sake of the needs but uh, for sake of his love is, is really cool exactly that's right
1: Come all you sinners, come find his mercy, come to the table, he will satisfy, taste of his goodness, find what you're looking for.
0: Okay, well, now we're no longer just addressing the weary and the uh, thirsty, although they're, they're um, certainly probably included in this next verse. Uh, we're, we're talking to sinners now, and so the song is identifying a group. Uh, as sinners, it's implying sin is a problem, um, and it's offering the remedy to sin right away. We come, the sinners, we find his mercy, uh, we we find satisfaction at the table. Um, I wonder if this is a reference to the Lord's Supper, the uh, Sacrament of Communion, um, or if this is uh, Jesus saying... Uh, um, I knock, and the one who opens, I will come and dine with him. In any event, it implies that we uh, who formerly were hungry, uh, formerly sinners, formerly needy, are now going to be fully satisfied. Um, tasting of his goodness, this is, I think, a reference to Psalm 34, verse 8. O taste mm-hmm. and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. And then we see with this find what you're looking for that... Um, Christ is the, uh, the answer to all those needs, all those desires, um, all that hunger and thirst that we read about.
1: Yeah, so I like that there's a mention of sin here. I like that there's a logic to this, because the sinners do need mercy, and that's what they find in Christ. I like then what you've already pointed out, that there's then this elevation. So these people start out as sinners, they receive mercy, and then they're invited to the table— which is a nice way to, it's just a few words that really capture the idea of belonging and even intimacy. I do question the idea of the last line, which is, find what you're looking for. And I was wondering, if a person is a sinner, surely what they're looking for is not a seat at the table. It's not mercy. It's not... To taste of the goodness of God, and so it may be better to say something like "find what you need" or "find what you must have" or something like that. I, I it's a minor criticism, mm. but you know the the fact is we're not all searching. We're just, we're not all like banging on Christ's door to be let in, so that He lets us into the table. Like we want nothing to do with Him, and He then pulls us in. He goes out and finds. People. This reminds me of Luke fourteen verses twelve through twenty four. I won't read all of it, but Jesus tells a parable about uh, a man who gave a great banquet and invited people. And then he, the man, sends a servant out to collect the people that have been invited, but they they all make excuses and they all can't come. And so the servant tells the master of the house, who gets angry. And then he says to his servant, and this is verse 21, go out quickly to the streets and lanes of the city, bring in the poor and crippled and blind and lame, and um, go to the highways and hedges and compel people to come in, that my house may be filled. None of those men who were invited shall taste my banquet. Now, there's a lot going on here in that, in the, in the immediate context, this is a discussion about the Jews, who have rejected the Messiah and will reject the Messiah, and Christ going after those that are not of the kind of ethnic house of Israel. And it's fascinating that the master compels even these people who were not initially invited, but he brings them in. These are people that didn't know the feast was happening. They had nothing to do with the feast. They may not have even wanted to come, but but they are compelled to be brought in. The master sends out his servant to gather these people who weren't even going to have anything to do, if it was up to them, wouldn't have anything to do with the feast. And I I do think this is relevant to the song. The song is implying, with that last line, find what you're looking for, that maybe, maybe these sinners were kind of searching for the feast and... But that's not what's happened. They weren't looking for it. I don't know, Tyler is this being is this being too nitpicky? No,
0: I think you're tapping into something that uh, has been on my mind a bit recently, and that is this Christian doctrine that's popularized by C. s. Lewis and gained a lot of traction in the last hundred years or so, called Christian hedonism, where okay. even even to even to use those two words together would have probably been pretty offensive to our ancestors because hedonism is kind of gratification of all um, human desires seen as kind of low or fleshly desires. Uh-huh. And so to infuse that with Christianity seems kind of odd. The principle being that God's the, the that God uh, that beneath every sinful desire is actually a right desire for something good. Like, um uh-huh. for example in in um infidelity well, what you really desire is intimacy and you're going outside the confines of what god has rightly instituted for um intimacy okay. and you end up in sin um and john piper prominent uh prominent christian pastor and author and i would say theologian too uh takes question 1 of the the westminster uh, catechism what is the chief end of man answer man's chief end is to glorify god and to enjoy him forever and builds his desiring god ministry off of that principle that the chief mm-hmm. end of man is to glorify god and to enjoy him forever that those two are uh not independent clauses connected by a conjunction but actually mm-hmm. that that the enjoying him is how one glorifies him hence john piper's desiring god ministry that the enjoying him is glorifying him and so Mm -hmm. i think you are bristling against this um theological um uh maybe movement in the christian church in the last 100 years maybe even particularly within the last 50 years
1: Then we get to the chorus. For God so loved the world that he gave us his one and only son to save us, whoever believes in him will live forever. Tyler, this is John three sixteen verbatim, yeah, right? Almost verbatim from especially if you look at the
0: NIV. For God so loved the world okay. that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life.
1: They've changed. Now wait a second, Tyler. You just said something that wasn't in this chorus. Yep, there's no perishing. There's an implied
0: not living forever by saying that whoever believes in him will live forever, (laughs) but there's no naming of uh, perishing. That to me seems like
1: a big omission. Can you elaborate on that? If you don't have that part in the verse and you say everything else, what, what you're kind of emphasizing is God loves the world and Jesus saved us from I don't know what and anybody who believes in him will get to live forever and i guess the people that don't you know it's okay sure like yeah they just kind of miss out you know you don't want to miss out like they they great pains to to capture john 3:16 that is not an easy verse to put to music and they had to make that editorial decision to say we are not going to Mention perishing, Mm. and the the verse does not work. The the verse is does not have the power that it has if it if there is an omission of the idea of perishing, Mm. because that is what makes salvation meaningful. I get that salvation saving is still here, but save from what? Mm. We just that isn't. I mean, you can't cut that out in me in my view.
0: So. Do you reject the idea that not living forever is implied by saying whoever believes in him
1: will live forever? Sure. And obviously it is a bad thing, I suppose, to not live forever. But maybe not. You know, a person could say, oh, I lived a good life. Okay. Because, of course, perishing in John 3.16 is not just dying. Yeah. You know? Um, and that's what the whole saving thing is. It, it, this is... There's something going on here that's really quite profound, and this this omission, in my view dulls dulls it obviously it doesn't take out completely the idea of dying because you're right, it's implied, but it does neuter it quite a bit hmm.
0: this This is actually the important question that that we haven't asked that the song doesn't ask, but do the ones who don't believe in him live forever? and uh they they do so that's the interesting (laughs) thing the i i the orthodox christian belief is that all human beings have eternal life you just either live with christ in heaven or perishing in hell
1: you you not only do does everybody live forever they do live forever with god uh, it's just, do they live forever with God in his mercy and grace and his abundance and his intimate presence? Or do they live with God forever with his wrath and anger and hatred and enmity? Uh, I, I know where I would like to live forever. It, uh, that has to be communicated. And John 3.16 is such a powerful verse because it does contain that in the idea of perishing. I mean, that is a terrible fate. Yeah. And this song kind of just, just kind of minimizes that.
0: So let me clarify one thing I said. I said, everyone will live forever forever because a soul is eternal. Um, I just want to make one thing clear. Um, some souls will have eternal life and some souls will have eternal death. That is the, the Christian message and so that that is why the free gift of the son is such a, a really miraculous gift because yeah what what would you not give for eternal life if the alternative was eternal death
1: and, and those are your two options there there's no there's no other one this
0: I mean I, I don't want to spend too much time talking about C.S. Lewis but I remember reading the great divorce it seemed like um in the great divorce The eternal death or hell perishing was a kind of self-imposed descent into depravity. And then there was a Mm. subtext that it was a descent into nothingness. So like the people get smaller, they fade away, they become less substantive. And uh, I don't know of an Orthodox Christian uh, doctrine whereby one fades into nothingness. Rather than yeah. suffering the wrath of God.
1: Yeah, this is, there are actually several. C.S. Lewis, for as great as a communicator as he was and an evangelist, and just, you know, really the right man in many respects for the right time. At the same time, some of his theological views are unorthodox, to put it mildly. And it's a shame to me that because many Christians venerate the positive things that C.S. Lewis has done for the kingdom, they have in many ways failed to criticize aspects of his theology that are rightly criticized. And I worry that the church has made a bit of a—the Protestant church has made a bit of a a sainthood for C.S. Lewis and, uh, you know— I don't know if I'm the person to do this because I'm no theologian, but I do hope someday somebody will write a book—not—not not unjustly critiquing Lewis, but treating him as a man, treating him as a flawed person, and kind of, you know, kind of teasing out the wonderful things that he did, uh, you know, by the Spirit and and by the power of God, but also the areas in which he really did not understand orthodox christianity.
0: I just want to make I want to be completely fair to um C.S. Lewis and say he he did say in um The Problem of Pain this There is no doctrine which I would more willingly remove from Christianity than hell. He says this, but he means hell if it lay in my power. But it has the full support of scripture and especially of our Lord's own words. It has always been held by Christendom, and it has the support of reason. If a game is played, it must be possible to lose it. There's his characteristic Mm. wit and charm. So um, I don't want to say that C.S. Lewis did not believe in hell, just that his beliefs on hell were rather unorthodox. Since C.S. Lewis popularized annihilationism among Christians um, in the
1: last century— Which, Tyler, we'll need to explain for our listeners. So—
0: Annihilationism, and I, I, I would say it's a, it's a, um, it's a doctrine which has as its goals uh, a kind of, a kind of nominal compassion, because it objects to the idea of eternal damnation, eternal suffering, and so annihilationism yeah. holds that those who are damned will, at some point. Be put out of their misery; that yeah. um, they will not suffer into perpetuity. Um, and I can see the appeal in this, right? You might say, "Well, yeah, of course. I mean, why would God cause people to suffer forever? This is so so harsh and and um, mean." But the other side of this is that God is perfectly holy, and sin is so evil to Him. And you might ask yourself, um, well, if we if we have annihilationism, um, what do we do with some of the worst figures in history, like like Hitler? Where do these people end up? Do they get to be put out of their misery too, or uh, do do we have some kind of hierarchy where like there's all this stuff that it introduces that is kind of problematic and not warranted by scripture, especially when um, Jesus describes the hell of fire Gehenna himself we have to say well where where do we get warrant for some kind of belief that this
1: suffering is uh not into perpetuity yeah and let let's also be clear too if you believe in annihilationism i would disagree with you i would not say you are not my brother in christ like this is not a um yeah in my view this is not an essential tenet of being in the family of God, being a Christian, um, I I do think that that's not right, and I I think that's you're you're I, I think someone who believes that is not really comprehending God's word, and indeed is ignoring parts of God word God's word in a kind of convenient way. But um, you know, I, I count C.S. Lewis as a brother in Christ. Uh, I count people that disagree with me on a lot of. Doctrinal and theological issues, and we've you know we make it clear in this podcast. I hope that this is not a podcast. We don't we we don't make much of our own denominational views, Tyler, and this podcast for a reason. We really want to stick to this critique of of the music and the the lyrics. But John three sixteen, which is you know what this song is centered on, brings up this idea of damnation and. This song, in my view, skirts over that a little bit. I suppose that gets us around back to the song. Any other comments about the chorus, Tyler? No. (laughs) Probably out of comments now forever. all your failures bring your addictions come lay them down at the foot of the cross jesus is waiting there with open arms see his open arms tyler
0: i have can you see his open arms here we go but yeah that's true. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> which in some ways is kind of funny like here we go i think of um uh gene what's the name gene wilder in um uh Charlie or Willy Wonka in the chocolate factory when they go up in the elevator. Mm. And he says in this crazy voice, here we go. Um, So this bringing the failures, bringing the addictions, laying them down at the foot of the cross. I mean, this to me, this smacks of Bunyan's pilgrims progress where Christian, Mm. he has a book in his hand. He, he reads and not to open up the same can of worms that we already opened up, but he reads that he lives (laughs) in the city of destruction and must Mm. flee to the cross to lay this burden down. Um, that's, I think what's being depicted here, right? We bring, uh, we learned that we're sinners, but now we bring our failures. So not achieving what we ought to have achieved. But we bring our addictions, unhealthy uh, substance uh, abuses and laying them down at the foot of the cross. I want, I think this means surrendering them to Christ Uh, You know, like we we said before, um, Christ says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So the burden that I bore, I no longer bear. So presumably I laid it down uh, and wear better than at the foot of the cross. And um, Jesus waits with open arms. I wonder if this is a clever reference to the crucifixion actually not to be tried about it, but yeah, his arms are spread wide open and that symbolism has permeated Christian art and, uh, literature for a long time. His arms are open to, um, all, uh, Psalm 55 also depicts casting a burden on the Lord. Verse 22, cast your burden on the Lord and he will sustain you. Uh, first Peter five, seven says cast all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Mm -hmm. Um, Psalm 68 says in verse 19 blessed be the lord who daily bears us up god is our salvation so um we do we have our burdens relieved taken off of us at uh, in in his presence
1: i wonder what you thought of the word addiction this is not a word that we find often in music that is sung in the church it does stick out for that reason i wonder if you felt that it was an appropriate word to bring up or not?
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, addiction is inherently sinful. So Mm -hmm. um, I think, well, maybe I should unpack that a little bit because that's just an assertion. So an addiction is an unhealthy um, physical and psychological need. Or something it can begin with something that God has given that's good, like wine, alcohol, or mm-hmm. even food, um, mm-hmm. or sex, and grow into something where the person is no longer functioning as um, a sovereign human being over himself, but but does what he or she does in order to acquire that thing, and so yeah. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting word for a song to, to name and identify. Um, but I don't think it's wrong for the song to bring that up. It's just maybe a little bit peculiar. Um,
1: yeah, that's what I thought, too. It, it, it's jarring, but I don't know. It's kind of a good thing to sing about, it seems to me, it's, and a neglected thing. Sure. I mean, yeah, you, you, you touched and you touched on it. When we hear the word addiction, I think we think about drugs. And most Christians, I mean, I presume, I presume that most Christians are not struggling with drug use. Maybe they are. Maybe they're struggling with things like prescription drugs, not necessarily drugs that are illicit or drugs that are illegal. Or
0: drugs that are socially acceptable, like, yeah, like alcohol, alcohol or
1: nicotine. nicotine, caffeine. Oh, caffeine's yeah. a big one. Yeah, so, you know, but I suspect many Christians— do not recognize the fact that they're getting Starbucks every four days as an addiction, or the fact that they drink coffee every morning in order to function. They may not recognize that as an addiction. I'm not trying to condemn people, but um, my point just is, if you, it's good for a song to bring up addiction, because it's good for Christians to wrestle with the idea that, okay, this is not something like drug use, which is still, at least in the church... A, a social taboo like I think it's one of those sins addiction to drugs it's one of those sins that I think many Christians many middle class Christians for example would just they don't have room for that in in their you know like that that to them would be some terrible thing if somebody were falling into drug addiction they would really see that in a much more severe way meanwhile like there's huge problems with say gossip and slander among that same group and they they don't you know that's like a respectable sin as jerry bridges says so it's it's good to to think about addiction more broadly and the song doesn't i i don't know I i just find this a nice way to bring in a concept that's a bit uncomfortable but that maybe could cause somebody to think, and maybe even a pastor or a worship leader could use the opportunity where you know, hey, we're singing a song which talks about addiction. Let's flesh that out a second. We might think that has to do with somebody else, but no, mm-hmm. like there probably everybody in this room is probably addicted to something, maybe multiple somethings.
0: Sure, and it it may not even necessarily be a substance too. It could be something like no, yeah. addicted to the praise of man where you must have someone tell you that you're great or you're not going to make it through the day. Um, Yeah. And I, I think it's good that it names it also because it, it, it does not leave that as an excuse. I don't know if you've ever heard that, but like someone saying, Oh yeah, well, but I have an addiction. So, you know, it's okay. Oh, yeah, You're, right. No, no, no. You're commanded to lay that at the foot of the cross. Now, yes, <laughs> I, obviously, right. like, late-stage alcoholics, if you withdraw them, you know, off of alcohol, they'll have the shakes and, and you know, be in threatening, oh, yeah. life-threatening condition. But the point is still valid that um, you are called to lay this at the foot of the cross, surrender this, and, and really repent in the truest sense. Turn away yeah. from the old. Die. That is yeah. that old man is crucified with Christ, and you are to, to live in yeah. newness of life.
1: Yeah, and, and don't I mean, I, we're, we're, we're departing again a little bit from the song, but I think this is probably good, and I don't claim to be a pastoral authority or anything like that, but I, I do feel comfortable saying, um, we, Tyler and I, I'm sure I'm sure you would feel this way too, Tyler, like addiction is a challenge like, if anyone's ever tried to combat an addiction, you, you basically never succeed. I mean, even if you are actually able, say you're say you're an alcoholic. I mean, you may be sober for the, you may be able to not take another drink, but you know <laughs> that you are on the you you know you are just one one bad decision, just one bad decision away from just tumbling back into alcoholism. Like so, my point. All I'm saying is. Uh, Confronting addiction, I don't hear Tyler and I saying, yep, you just need to figure it out and stop doing whatever it is. Like, that's not what... Stop drinking coffee. That's not what I'm saying. Um, but there is... It is a good thing to wrestle with the idols in our lives and to fight yeah. them. This is, this is something that we're commanded to do. And it's great that a song is reminding us actually... That we lay our addictions down at the foot of the cross. That these are not things that we can fight on our own. Mm-hmm. I think addiction is a great is a great way to think about sin, because it really confronts the idea that if we just if we just work hard enough, we can just we can just pull ourselves up and you know get ourselves out of of sin. Well, no, like we're addicted to sin, mm-hmm. uh, full stop. And as long as we inhabit these bodies of flesh, um, there's going to be that pull towards the old desires. And by the grace of God, we can fight them, but it's only by the grace of God that we can fight them.
0: I think, just to riff on this point one, one final time, I think there is another kind of addiction that Christians would not be aware that they are trapped by, and that is dopamine that you get from oh, yeah. cell phones, for example, where, where mm. researchers will actually look at the brain after you get a little ping of a notification from someone liking your photo or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, that is, If you think about how many notifications you get in a day and how many little bursts of dopamine that fills your brain with, that's terrifying yeah. to think that somebody yeah. might um, live day by day just searching for that. Um, yeah very scary thought that's right yeah that's right and that's a kind of social uh that's a kind of addiction that is socially acceptable even maybe commendable mm-hmm. like oh yeah this guy has so many Instagram followers so yeah not that followers right. are equated with receiving these pings of dopamine the power
1: of hell. Alright, the power of hell forever defeated, now it is well, I'm walking in freedom, for God so loved, God so loved the world. See, this is
0: fantastic, Colin. Hell is defeated, its power is gone, and this verse, or this, actually, it's a second chorus, comes on the heels in a song of the first chorus, which you did not like because it omitted hell, or it omitted perishing. So if you read it in context, we have, uh, for God so loved the world that He gave us His one and only Son to save us. Whoever believes in Him will live forever. The power of hell forever defeated. Now it is well. I'm walking in freedom. For God so loved, God so loved the world. This is, this is no longer open to a yeah. kind of perpetual, um, or, or a kind of. Um, let me say it this way: This is no longer speculating about whether hell exists it's naming hell and its power and saying that they have been defeated and it is well i think a reference to the hymn it is well with my soul i'm walking in freedom so uh i'm i guess i'm not just free but i'm also stepping around a bit showing it off (laughs) (laughs) for god so loved the world (laughs) so uh i mean this is this is a verse that has come up so many times but yeah who whoever the sun sets free is free indeed i think that's kind of what's what's meant with this walking around and walking in freedom
1: yeah i was really grateful for this verse and you've already kind of outlined it so i won't say much but um after what happened with the chorus which to me was just a travesty having this here was a bit of reassurance and i'll i'll say it it really made it hard to evaluate the song in some respects because it's not fully redemptive of what happened before, but it, it does it is it is it does go some way to restore confidence in the overall message of the song. It's great to know that there's hell, that it's powerful, but that it has been defeated by the cross of Christ and that we have this freedom now it is well. I, I would like a little bit more Definition to freedom, that's an, that's like a trope of this podcast at this point. But otherwise, yeah, great verse. Yeah.
0: I mean, for a guy who doesn't like freedom, you do like this verse, so that's good. Praise
1: God, praise God, from
0: whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, praise Him, for the
1: wonders of His love. Uh, okay. Okay. And then we have this kind of doxology here, praise God, praise God from whom all blessings flow, praise him, praise him for the wonders of his love. I think- And wonders of his love.
0: And wonders, wonders of his love. Yeah, there's the joy to the world uh, reference here. We have a reference to, quote, the doxology that praise God from whom all blessings flow, praise him all creatures here below, Uh Praise him above ye heavenly hosts. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Which is often sung to the mm-hmm. tune of the Old Hundredth. Do you know why it's mm-hmm. called the Old Hundredth?
1: I have no idea. Psalm
0: 100a. So it's such an old oh, okay. melody. It, um, it still has its the name of the psalm that it was referencing. Mm-hmm. But yeah, we have, I think, quite a few shout outs. I don't fault it for this, of course. Um, these are good things. Got From God, all blessings flow. Um, his love possesses wonders or, uh, this is kind of an archaic word, but it means miracles basically, uh, and his love is amazing. We stand in awe of it. And if we acknowledge our sin and, and look at who we are before God, it is amazing that he could ever love creatures like us. So very good. I think excellent, excellent verses.
1: Yeah. So Tyler, I guess this gets us towards the concluding thoughts, it sounds like you're generally well disposed towards this song. Yeah. Would that be right?
0: Yeah. You might even say, because I so loved the song that I gave it a five calling and that's what I'll give it. Um, Sorry, that was so dumb. That was a very dumb song. Yeah, I like this song. I like that it calls us to praise God. It actually does praise God near the end. It describes what God did, and it it actually serves that dual function that I mentioned at the beginning of bringing believers to praise Him and also calling out to people who who are not believers in Christ to come to Him. So, very good song. What what uh, do you think, Colin?
1: Yeah, uh, so I'm less sing-songy about this. I had huge problems with what happened in the chorus and the fact that the song does clarify later does help and this is really a true borderline song for me. Wow. Um, and I like that the ratings that we have forced me to pick. Um, I can't couldn't give it a 2.5 and you know um, I you know really, went back and forth on this as to whether it kind of cleared the bar for me. And in the end I thought, well, I think it probably does enough to clear the bar. Um, and a lot of my reaction to it is about the omission of, um, perishing. And then also I watched the music video and just kind of the music and that kind of puts me off too. But, um, yeah, it clears the bar, but, but barely. So, what did you what did bar. you give this as a rating?
0: Wow, am I getting soft in my old age? I don't know. Maybe <laughs> I gave it five out of five. Thunder Chiefs. I I don't okay. see it as an omission because it it does clarify later in the song.
1: Um, Thunder Chiefs. you gonna have to explain that one.
0: Thunder Chiefs, uh, because in the behind the song <laughs> video a guy brings out a. you always do he brings out a fretless bass and he's like oh yeah this here this is my thunder chief i call it thunder chief and i thought that was a funny name for a bass and maybe even a fitting name for a bass despite being funny and so yeah. i just like that he plays uh something that he calls thunder chief and yeah i gave it a okay. 5 because um it it doesn't mention perishing but then again neither does john it, john, it, it doesn't mention perishing initially it brings up hell later in the song, and John three sixteen mentions perishing, but John three sixteen doesn't even go as far as to name hell. So it's it's mm-hmm. to me it's not doing anything um, that bad. So yeah, I'm I'm comfortable giving it a five. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe listeners will write in and tell me how how crazy I am. What did you give it, Cod?
1: Yeah, so I gave it three out of five proms, and I'll explain the reference, and then I'll talk about the number. Uh, so I gave it proms because the music video that I watched it, it was like the whole audience looked like they were between the ages of 14 and 18. and the, it was almost like it looked like some schoolhouse almost that they were playing in like some gym and like some rural high school where you know you you really can't have prom anywhere other than the high school gym because the nearest I don't know convention center or whatever is two hours away. And so I just, it just seemed like almost a prom. Like the, there was a, they were the prom band playing, maybe it's some Christian high school, who knows. Uh, and then as for the rating of the three, okay. I, I can't think of many times on this podcast, Tyler, where we have two numbers, like a, a whole step yeah. in between us. Normally the ratings are pretty close. It's, it's not it's identical. more than a Problem. standard maybe. deviation. <laughs> yeah, and probably frustratingly so, right? It's like, what's the point of having two hosts if you guys agree so much? Well, uh, so for me, I don't, you know, if you represent a song as being inspired by Scripture, like I really, I don't like these songs, for example, that set, that title themselves Psalm Whatever, but then they omit big chunks of the psalm. Or they, um, they omit key parts of the psalm, like that. That that I feel is a bit disingenuous. You're writing on the reputation of God's word, but you're not actually delivering God's word, and so I. That's why I had kind of a problem with not including perishing. Uh, and initially I'm just that is a big. I'm, I'm concerned about that, but. Yes, as you rightly point out, conceptually, I think everything is there eventually if you look at the song as a whole. So I didn't feel like I could actually drop it below the threshold for that. But to me, this was not a five, and I didn't really feel like I could give it a four either because, uh, again, I, I bristled a bit at this obvious, deliberate choice to take out this crucial part of John 3.16. So, um, yeah, I gave it a three. That's
0: fantastic. That's fantastic. I wouldn't drop it below a four, though, to be honest with you. There's a lot of scripture in here, a lot of scripture.
1: Well, maybe we'll have some more disagreement, Tyler. This is probably a good thing. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks, everyone, for listening to the C.S. Lewis slash Addiction Review. We hope you enjoyed the podcast despite our tangents. And we encourage you to share the podcast with your friends. Let them know about us. Share it, especially with your worship leaders and worship pastors and people that are doing any kind of music in your church. We really want this to be a resource for them, too. Uh, I'd like to give a shout-out to the uh, Redeemer City Church in Rochester, Minnesota, where I attended uh, a few weeks ago, Loved that they made a small modification to the lyrics of And Can It Be. Instead of saying, emptied himself of all but love, they said something like, humbled himself, so great a love. And I just really had a lot of respect for a church that would even take a great song like And Can It Be and notice this one little part of it that's a bit of a problem and fix it. It was wonderful to see. So I don't know if they listened to the podcast, but it was a it was an admirable thing, so I'd like to give a shout out to that in the credits.
0: I remember listening to john piper he he had a podcast episode on music on music in the church at one point on desiring God, and he mentioned that line in and can it be and so that's cool.
1: yeah, all right, well, take care. have a good week, and uh, we'll see you next yep. time. take care.
0: You've been listening to The Worship Review. Please subscribe to the podcast, leave a comment, or email us at feedback at theworshipreview.com. We accept donations at anchor.fm slash theworshipreview and patreon.com slash theworshipreview. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.